I have started joining us this morning. Uh, she was with, I think it was her first appointment yesterday, and I, I wanted to walk through with you all what she got to witness yesterday. I was talking with Marcia last night, or actually this morning about this. I said, this is kind of where we went with what happened with Star, and uh, she's new to the industry, uh, and definitely new to, to Equus. We did a virtual sale, and the guy was a little standoffish, and uh, she was able to get me on the phone. And Star, what I wanted to do is I was going to walk kind of through with you, but is there anything that you would like to share before I, I, I kind of go through this about what you witnessed yesterday? If you're talking, you may be on mute on your phone. Sorry. Um, That's okay. At first, um, it was a little awkward because, like Dick said, he was standoffish. Um, he was still at work at the time, and he was trying to um, kind of rush off the phone prior to me being able to call Dick. Um, but it seemed like he really wanted the information. But Dick went through – It was so patient with him and went through a different examples and re was very relatable to him. And it's like that's when his walls uh, came down. And um, it, was, it was really um, impressive because he was so um, – he had told me that he already had life insurance he, he, with Colonial and New York. And then when he got on the phone with Dick, he said, well, I don't have it yet. So there were more things that he was actually revealing as Dick was talking to him. And Dick kept him on the phone for, for quite a bit of time. So um, I, I, I enjoyed um, being able to listen uh, from a veteran in the industry. Well, the reason I asked Star to be on this morning, and I want you guys, I'm going to cover this in my portion in a few minutes, but take some notes because I expect you to learn some things out of this, but if you're just listening, you're not going to remember it. So take some notes, and when you go, after the call's over, go back through and circle the things that you picked up. For example, when the guy made the comment yesterday, he had already said it to Star, but he said, you know, I don't think you can help me. And... Mm -hmm. um, I said, yeah, you're probably right. But, you know, we'd like to give it, take, a uh, take a shot at it. Give us a try, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But the chuckling, I think, Sar, would you agree that that kind of defused things a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and then the, the next question that I did, and guys, imagine, and I don't play chess, but I've watched people that do, and they know what the next two, three, or four moves, or some guys that are really good know the next dozen moves, what they're going to be. So this, to me, yesterday, it was kind of a cat and mouse combined with a chess game. <laughs> you know, when I chucked, it was the cat and mouse part. These questions were predetermined in my mind on where I was going because, see, I don't want to be a professional visitor on the phone. And what Star got to witness yesterday was me playing chess with this guy because I knew when I asked the, the next question, I knew what the following question was, was going to be. And, uh, for example, I said, you know, uh, let's pretend his name is, I think his name was David. I said, David, what are we trying to accomplish here? Are you want to pay the mortgage off? I don't leave that an open-end question. 
I ask the question and I give them the choices of the answers I want them to give me. I said, we trying to pay the mortgage off. We trying to pay the equity. What, what's important to you? And his response was, well, I'm not sure. Why not? Because he just didn't really know what mortgage protection could do, was, what it was going to cost or anything, and he wasn't going to commit. I hadn't won him over yet. And uh, so then my next question, and I knew this was going to be it, because what am I trying to do? I'm trying to find value in what I'm going to sell and how we're going to use it. So my next question was, well, John or David, I said, how much do you owe on the mortgage now? Well, 110000 And I said, what do, you, what do you think your house is worth? He said, 160. Mm-hmm. So I located the equity number. That's what I was wanting to find because now I can hopefully hook my uh, payment to protecting that equity. That was what I was doing. So I said, well, you know, you're not planning on going anywhere soon. Say you die in a few years and your house is worth seventy-five, maybe a hundred thousand more than you owe on it. Then next question, predetermined in my mind already. Who do you want to get that fifty? to $100,000. I don't get this answer very often, but I do get it occasionally. I'm dead. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Evidently, don't live in a particularly good neighborhood. He knows his kids are not going to move back into that neighborhood. He's dead. He, it doesn't matter. I said, well, is there a church that could use that fifty dollars or $100,000, or do you have grandchildren? He said, well, I've got grandchildren. I said, wouldn't it be nice to give the grandkids something, just a little bit of a leg up, instead of giving it to the bank, because he indicated that's who was going to get it. That was the first small crack that I saw in his defense. And it was small, and I think Star would agree with that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he just, (laughs) uh, he was was very small. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, now, I wouldn't expect Star to remember this next question, but she remembers that it happened. I said, well, if either of you pass away, how would paying for a funeral impact your budget and your finances? Well, I have insurance, was his response, which he had already told Star. And see, I know most seniors in his situation, they have bought their insurance for burial from one of two places, AERP or Colonial Pen. Now, we've covered this a dozen times, and everyone on this phone call, except for Star and a couple brand, or five or six of the brand new people here, they should have copies of those circulars in their pitch book. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of them don't, but I know what the answer is. And I said, um, well, he said, I've got insurance. I said, well, the reason I ask, do you know what company it's with? Because there's a huge difference in burial plans. I said, is it my chance through New York Life? And his answer was yes. I said, through AARP, yes. And I said, and the price keeps going up? The answer was yes. And he said, and I'm getting rid of Oh, and then he said, and the worst part is it turns, it goes away the day I turn 80. So he was already implying that insurance is a ripoff. And started, didn't he make at least three or four references to insurance being a ripoff or uh, they were unsavory people? Yes. And maybe that's why he was so defensive. Because he had been hoodwinked with AARP. Mm-hmm. 
So then his comment was, he said, well, I'm buying Colonial Pen. So my next question was, are you buying it from an agent or are you buying it through a mailer? Mm-hmm. Well, he threw a curveball at me. I'd never had this answer before. He said, I went to their website. I'm buying it online. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So uh, that was a, a deer in the headlight moment, second, not a moment, <laughs> but a second for me. I said, well, buying it online, and you're, you're sure it's whole life? He said, yes, I am. So, Star, just so you know, I went online this morning to look and see what, Colonial Pen sells online, and from what I can tell, the only thing they sell is what we refer to as a guaranteed issue, which means oh. if he buys it and dies in the first two years, they're either going to pay 30% of the death benefit or nothing and return his oh. premium. He doesn't know that. Was he fairly healthy? Yeah, he is fairly healthy. Oh, now, his yeah, wife is only going to qualify for a guaranteed issue, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so he doesn't know that yet. So now I have more information the next time I get in this situation. And you say, well, Dick, how do you find that stuff out? You know, I Google it, just like many of you on the phone here to do, should do today. Um, so understanding that he really, if he buys that coverage, he has no insurance the first two years. So this was the direction I went with him before I found out about uh, Colonial Pen. I said, well, David... I said, would it make sense, I said, to have more information and have an agency? If you get your coverage through STAR, I said, you've got STAR as a go-to person if you need help. I said, do you realize how hard it is to change banks? And I kind of chuckled. I said, most people think, well, Lord, I'm never changing banks. But if the bank gets sold, you've got to start all over again. And I said, trying to do that online and not having a person to walk you through it, I said, would it be important to have a person to help you do all of that? And again, we saw a a little wider crack in the thing. Yes. Yes. Read that. Yep. And what was your overall response when he said that, Star? He he was like, yeah, that's true, as if it had happened to him before. Um, He was really (laughs) – he really related to that. And he was like, these banks, they don't care. And, yeah, so that that was like a wedge – that it, it was like the door went from being cracked a little bit to, okay, you can come in. Now, do you remember when I made the comment, not only do you have Star, but? But, you yes, think that you have Johnny, you have Connie, you have nothing. Yeah. yeah. So what I was trying to do, now, could I have gone straight to that? No. You have to go through these questions just like a chess game to pull a checkmate on the client. You know, that's a process, and that's what I'm hoping everybody's picking up on this morning, and that's what I'm hoping you're hearing through this series of questions, how we went from a very standoffish person to a situation where Star at least has a shot at making a sale here. Anything at the end that you would like to share, Star, that you witnessed, one that helps you, but two, to encourage other agents if they're in the home and need some help to reach out for it? Um, if they, if they have any, um, if you've built any type of rapport, then they're, they're willing to listen just a little bit to what you have to say. Because even though he said, I'm at work, he kept on uh, saying that he was at work. And I said, um, 
well, I would like your questions answered, and I think that um, my senior un- underwriter can help you. Would you mind holding for me? And I called Dick, he, and then he said um, no, and he was on hold for like two minutes while I was trying to get Dick on the line. So wow. if, if, you, if you have any type of, if you build any type of rapport and they trust you just a little bit, even though they're defensive, um, you have a greater chance of being able to uh, attempt at getting a sale, in my opinion. Well, no, and you did an excellent job of, of having a rapport. Even though he was standoffish, he couldn't quite deal with the situation that he felt comfortable with you. That bothered him because he was trying not to feel comfortable with you. So you did a great job in that area. Now, I want to go back to the first thing. When I first got him on the phone and I asked him what his age was, and uh, I act like I'm whatever their age is when they're over 60, like we're about the same age. I just got a couple years on. So we're in the same boat fighting the same battle. And that's a way of connecting. Did you notice that yesterday when I did that? And that kind of – settle things out a little. Absolutely. I think that um, whenever he mentioned something, when you, um, when you showed that you were relatable, like um, with family that lived out in the country and with the age and with mortgage protection, he, it just, it, it was like um, his wall, it, it wasn't much initially, but it was like his wall was, coming down and he was less defensive and he was like, oh, okay. Like, oh, this guy's like me. So, yeah. And uh, that's one of the things I was, I knew Star would notice, but that's one of the things I want to convey to everybody on the call today. Those are the ways, those little tiny chipping away at that. You know, if you come in with a sledgehammer, you're going to walk out of there with a big rock. But if you come in with a small hammer, you're going to break it down into gravel bits and pieces that you can deal with, and that's exactly what we did yesterday. Um, Star, I want to thank you for taking the time this morning to be on here because I wanted – I didn't want to do it next week with you. I wanted to do it this week when it was fresh in your mind because you saw exactly a process yesterday. Yes. And you saw part of the system. And um, um, any comments? Um, yes, it, it, thank you so much for, um, one, allowing me to be on the call, and I hope someone, even if it's just one person, gets some type of value out of it. Two, it was, um, initially, I was um, honestly intimidated because I didn't know the information, but uh, yourself, like everyone on the team, makes you feel so comfortable and, and welcome, saying, call me, um, we're here for you, and that is that was 100% true. So I appreciate you being available um, when when I called, and just like yeah, get them online with no problem. But I wanted to say thank you. Well, thank you for participating today. And the reason it took two minutes, she got me immediately. Now um, we we could have used a 911 text. We didn't have that, but when she got me on the phone, she has two phones, and she had the client on yeah. another one, and. Me this one. So we couldn't merge this together. So the reason it took so long was I had to hang up and then she had to call me on the phone the other client was on. But it all worked out well and we're all moving forward and learned a lot from it. And I, I want to set this up a little bit uh, in the end because uh, 
Star is so new that the only carrier she has is Forrester's. So, keep, I mean, she's not only in Ignite, she is just barely good to go. <laughs> so she was on the virtual training, making the most of every minute, using uh, leads that, you know, <laughs> are kind of past bonus. They were that old, and uh, so it really hats off. I think you're going to see her name on the leaderboard quite a bit, and I feel pretty certain stars. Uh, I mean, she's going to be an ignite earner because she has the desire uh, and everything. So, Star, thanks again for hopping on this morning. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, do you want to add uh, that she is uh, direct to Johnny Brooks, and Johnny is excited about her on his team for sure. Um, Want to? Um, we're going to be going to Marsha in just a little bit. But as we posted in GroupMe just before the call started, I hope you saw that picture of uh, David Crocker and the salmon. Uh, that was uh, his uh, weekend activity for rewarding himself. Guys, David has qualified for Diamond Elite Producer, and there are people on this call who do not know what that is. So we're going to explain that it is a big deal. Uh, Equus has four levels of elite producer, starts with silver, then gold, then platinum, and then the big uh, kahuna is diamond, which is what David just made. He had to have 205 paid applications. There could not be unreported business. They could not be guaranteed issue. And for those of you that know David well, you know that he writes a lot of the Mutual of Omaha Guaranteed Accident Plan, and for some strange reason, they call that a guaranteed issue. Uh, um, And so all of those applications that he wrote with Mutual of Omaha did not count toward his 205 paid apps, which is a big deal, okay? Of those 205 paid apps, it had to result in 250000 of paid APV, all right? Now, it doesn't mean he was paid 2050, although he was, um, but that's the amount of APV that had to be paid on. Um, he is beyond excited, and guys, we are beyond excited for him. Uh, we, of course, wish that he were going to be Um, recognized in person in January, but will be uh, recognized virtually. Uh, This um, achievement puts him just 15,000 away from qualifying for BAMF, so we're excited about that, and only 3,000 away from the AmeriCo six-month bonus. Uh, which, as you know, David writes a lot of Americo for that very uh, reason. Um, but to put that in perspective, Americo does not account, account towards BAMP. So you gotta you got to play the game a little bit, guys, and David is really good at that. So just a big shout-out and congratulations. David, congratulations. For those of you on the call, uh, that's quite an accomplishment to get – uh, that's getting paid on four applications a week, and uh, which means you're going to have to write five or six uh, because you're going to have not takens, and you're going to have some in there that are guaranteed issue, and you're going to have these accent plans that he's got. So, um, and when you look at the income level from that, now the real thing that I like most about this, David, right now 
is making four times the income he was his first year for one-fourth the number of dials to set appointments. So, and, I, and I'm going to cover that a little bit on my part, assuming we get to that today. But think about that. He's making 60 to 70 dials a week to set 20 appointments, one-fourth the dials he used to make and making four times the money. Yeah. So that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it is, and we're super proud of David. I know he was driving today or he would have been on, but um, we're just uh, beyond excited for him. And I can't wait for him to get the recognition uh, that he deserves on the Equus calls. Okay, we are ready for uh, Marsha Seacrest, and I'm going to, uh, Marsha's already unmuted, so here you go, Derek. The reason I wanted to have Marsha on this morning is the same reason I had Star. She had uh, bought a lead in North Carolina, uh, an A lead, and then found out the lady was still living in Pennsylvania. And I wanted her to share a little bit about what the situation was with the client, how she played the game of chess and walked this lady through, and then ultimately how she was able to help her. Um, share, Marcia, a little bit about how that process took place. Okay, so when I called her, I didn't realize she wasn't, you know, 45 minutes from home. I was just talking to her and ready to set my appointment. She goes, oh, I'm, I'm still in Pennsylvania. I was like, oh, well, okay. You know, so we just talked about what it was that she asked kind of planned to set the mortgage protection appointment, and um, it was going to be a three or four weeks before she was here, so we talked a couple of different times to try and, you know, get some basic information so I was ready for her. Um, we ended up meeting when she moved to town, and it turns out that before she left town, she'd had some health issues and her doctor had talked about doing surgery and I said we're going to have to kind of pivot here because if you've got surgery or tests pending then a policy is not going to go through. So I asked her what do you have that would serve you like an insurance policy would if we can't get you the coverage right now because of the surgery possibly coming up. And that's no, when she I told me all right, let me jump in here real quick on that. Right. That's a question you need to write. That's one of the notes that, that is a big deal here. What do you have in terms of assets that act like a life insurance policy? Because that uncovered where she's going next. Thanks, Marcia. Sure. So um, at that point, she was still employed, and so she didn't have her 401K, and her house was on the market, and she didn't have insurance. So I said, well, okay. Um, we figured out when she was going to come to town, and we just set the date. So time rolls on, and I go to her house, and it turns out that her house had sold, but she didn't tell me that straight away. She just said, I've got this 401K I'd like to be able to roll over. So... Um, because she still had nerve problems, and I found out she had MS, and she was having issues, and she's unemployed. So she quit three there jobs. Was, okay, there was another question you asked in there that's really important when you discovered about the 401K. Do you remember what that was? <coughs> if the market goes down? I said, if the market goes down, will you lose any money? Oh, she said, well, of course. I said, then we need to talk. So when I said, when I was sitting right there with her, 
Then we made a call. I had her get her statements out so I could see them. And we saw that she had 45000 in in one account. And then she surprised me and she said, oh, I've got this one too. I said, what's that from? Well, that her, her house sold and so she had put the money in with this guy. But she wasn't that enamored with him. So she said, I said, so will you lose money from both of those accounts if, if the market goes down? She said, yes. I said, okay, then we need to see what we can do. Well, why don't we call the company? So we did right then and there and got some answers. Why don't you share them about the backstory? Because the backstory probably lent a lot to why she was so open to this. This lady, it, she just was widowed nine months ago. And her husband was uninsurable because he was an alcoholic. So when he died, she got nothing but debt. So she believes in insurance. She's been in the medical industry. But she knew that she didn't have the money to put a policy on herself. And until we knew about her medical condition being resolved with no surgery needed and her not being disabled, declared disabled, we, we had some things that were just hanging out there that will not allow us to do a policy right now on her. Number one, she has no income coming in. Number two, she's got money that's at risk, and it's all she has for her entire life. That's her everything. So I showed her what we could do. She was excited about it, and we started getting the paperwork in order. But if I hadn't talked with her about I went through some of her expenses, to see what what can we do. And that's when we found out her car insurance was kind of, it was really expensive. So I called one of our agents who does this plus the PN, the car insurance and house insurance. And we saved her $500 a month, which is a big deal when you're not employed. Holy and cow. then I got her hooked up with a, a handy guy to do stuff because she couldn't get anyone to come to the house to give her estimates. And then I called a friend and got her a lead on a job so she can get to work and we can get back to getting her, you know, look at getting her coverage once things work out. But we were able to write a 38,000. Go ahead. Go ahead. We were able to take $38,000 and make it safe. I have the, the big question I have for you is once you started determining that she was uninsurable because of the MS, because of, um, the pending surgeries and pending disability. Why in the world did you even waste time to go see her? There was no way you could write any life insurance on her. Why did you do that? Well, I knew she was leaving a job, so I knew she'd have a 401k. So I thought, well, I the can re- help most people with that. Yeah. The reason I ask that question, I get this call all the time. Well, you know, they can't do anything, so should I even go, or I'm not going. And I'm, when I was reading this with you, I thought, you know, this is the reason um, I drove an hour and a half every week to see my clients. And, yes, I went on a lot of clients' cases where on the surface there was no way I could sell them anything. But usually, eight out of ten times, seven out of ten times, I had a chance of doing what you did here in uncovering an opportunity. So I think that's important. Now, uh, I did want to ask you, you would not sell her anything. You could have sold her an accident plan. She doesn't have money coming in. 
Thank you. What I want to try to point out here is Marcia took into consideration the lady's financial situation. Now, I guarantee you she trusted Marcia enough to buy a $30 a month accident plan. But I think I, I take my hat off to you because you did not try to overload her, and that's going to result in a lot more business because why? You didn't get greedy. You did what you could based on the circumstances you had. Um, you've left her with $30,000 to live on in cash until she can find a job and or get uh, on Social Security. So some of the takeaways here is find out where they really need help. What was her biggest concern? Her money was at risk. Yeah. And once Marsh, and then she found a solution for that. That was her biggest biggest thing right there. Is it important for her to have some life insurance? Of course it is. Is it important she wants to get a, a college fund for her granddaughter together? Is that important? Of course it is. But nothing was more important than protecting that money at risk. And Marcia went through the chess game until she finally found where the, where the risk was, where the pain was, and where she could help. And then she didn't get greedy and get too much of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, not only did Marcia do the right thing for the lady in getting her money safe, but Marcia got a, a better commission than she would have on an accident plan, and she made a friend, and she's offered her all these services. I just think it was a win-win-win for everybody. And this is the yeah. type of home that you go into, and they would probably have those policies. You know, it, sometimes they'll say, I don't have them, but then once they see you and they trust you, they'll bring out their little stack of policies, and you can turn all those credit policies into something that can do them good sometimes. So you just yeah. don't know what they tell you. know, it's like the mattress store. Um, no, I'm just shopping. Really? You know, you, you get into the home. I don't go to a mattress store to hang out. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Marcia, the reason that's so funny is we went to a mattress store the other day and actually bought oh. something. <laughs> oh, my. I went in just to look. Connie wasn't even with me. Oh, my God. Well, you had it a need or you wouldn't have showed up there, Dick. <laughs> right. I that's the bottom line. Even, even when someone doesn't sound like they've got something, I still go and talk to them. If, um, if they filled it out, there's a need. It's just finding out. It might not be what they think it is, but they know they need something. Amen. And and that was the situation with Star. They sent a mortgage letter back, and they needed burial insurance. Yeah. You know, you just don't know going in. Now, a lot of times we know because of age and health, we know where we're going to have to go. And But the best thing of it is, guys, print off those AARP and Colonial Pen things and have them with you. Study them so you know them. I can recite, you know, and I told the guy on, on Star's case last night, I said, I don't know what the first sentence is, but the second says, sentence is, uh, rates are based on age at issue, uh, premiums go up every five years, rates are not guaranteed, and then on the previous page, it says, uh, guaranteed age 80. And I told the guy on the phone yesterday, I said, when you get the next one with AARP and you and I are the same age or at the age we get those things all the time, I said, read those sentences because they actually told, I didn't say this to him, but they actually told him what he was buying. He just didn't read it before. And what I was trying to do was defuse that situation of insurance companies are a ripoff. No, you get what you pay for, but you just have to 
to shop and make sure you're getting what you want, you know. And, um, Marcia, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you. And uh, I wanted to um, go over something with you today. You know, Barry made the call, comment on the call yesterday that not every call that we have is going to be life-changing. But if you can learn one to five or maybe ten things on every call that you get on at the end of the quarter or the end of the year, look how much information you have earned, learned. And, you know, it has a compound effect. When you learn how to think like we talked about today with the chess, knowing which questions we're going to ask next, you know, once you learn that, they can't take it away from you, then you end up where David is. Four times the income from one-fourth the effort. You know, and if you'll listen to successful people in any field of work, they did not start out at the top of their game. You know, it takes time. And that uh, Darren Hardy has a book called The Compound Effect, and it's part of what inspired the call for today. You know, most people, when they start, they got to make $250 a week on old leads to get good enough with their phone skills to set 8, 10, 12 appointments. You know, now most of the top producers, after they've done a while, they will transition into some A leads. They'll take some of the money they're earning, and the goal is to get everybody on this call today to make somewhere between fifty and seventy-five dollars a week to set twenty appointments. You're not going to get there tomorrow. It takes time, just like learning to play a game or anything else like that. You know, the compound effect. What it does. The agents just get better on the phone. When you get better on the phone, you set more appointments. Then you do more in-home presentations, and you're not going to close as well in the in-home when you first start as you will later. But everything leads to getting better and better and better. You know, uh, people ask me all the time, well, I want A leads. I think they're better. No, they're not any better than any other lead. It just takes fewer dials to set an appointment with an A lead. Now, why is that? Well, see, with B and C leads, some of these people met somebody that didn't like what they saw, so they send back a second or a third letter. A lot of times, they'll get three letters in one day, and they're different. You know, we always, we out, everybody uses something very similar, so they're thinking sometimes those are two letters from the same company, but usually it's three different companies or four different companies, and they'll send two, three, four of those things back. You know, so when the new agent calls those people, whether it's an A lead or a bonus leads, and the people said, well, I already bought something yesterday, you know, um, or I already bought, I don't need anything. Well, an agent that's been around a while is going to slow the voice down, quiet it a little bit, and say, you know, now that you've got something in coverage, did you do like most people and just cover a part of the mortgage? And when they realize, you know, the way you're asking, well, yeah, that's what we did, you know, well, would you like to get just a little bit more? And see, guys, that just comes, now, I can give that to you today, but until you practice it so that it sounds like it's coming from your heart and you don't sound like some salesperson, it's not going to work. But once you get it in your heart and realize these people really wanted more coverage when they bought the first time. But a lot of times they bought it virtually. Sometimes uh, I know um, one of our agents has been in the house, and the people didn't even like the first agent that sold them. But they bought it because they needed something. And now there's an opportunity to go back and make a second sale. Um, you know, 
And a good transition phrase to use for that is, you know, most people in your situation would see that's the key right there. Most people in your situation, they like to do what other people do. They'd like to have just a little bit more coverage. Does that describe you? You know it does. So what I'm pointing out is as we do this, we are going to get better because we're going to learn better ways of doing things. See, Connie and I, have, since we started in the business, we've had this value-added approach to these calls on Tuesday. How can we add value to the agents, either in recruiting, selling, making more sales, doing better on the phone? You know, I commented earlier about Dave Crocker. I just love the fact that he's making so much more income for one-fourth the effort now, you know. And it doesn't matter how small a thing you learn on a call with us or with Equus. I mean, if you were on with Barry yesterday, just thinking in terms of, you know, starting to talk about on the producer side, Ignite, on the builder side, SM, the sales manager. That's $12,000 in premium, an agent, and they have uh, three agents doing that in a month. Gets them a 10% increase in their commission level. And that 10% increase, Dave Crocker, I remember when he got his first 5% promotion, he told Connie, I think it was, he said, that makes my car payment. And then he got his 10%. He said, well, now that's making my mortgage payment you know, that 10%, and it wasn't long, and he's looking at another home now, you know. So those are the things that come out of this, but every one of these promotions, it's not what you get. It's not the 5 or 10 or 15, 20% that you've gone up. It's what did you learn to get there? And, you know, some companies will give people a higher contract when they start, but they don't get any help. They don't get any value-added tips like this on a weekly basis, and it's up to them to figure it all out. The collateral damage is atrocious. Mm -hmm. So our goal is to add value to everybody. Now, the thing of it is, and this is why when I started the call today, I started off with let's take notes. Because, guys, if an agent is just listening and they don't take any notes, they're busy multitasking, no wonder nothing changes. You know, but after the call, for those of you that did take notes today, go back through and circle the things that you learned. And frankly, I would put them on a card or put them somewhere where I can go back and review those for the next several days because that's how you learn to change. See, we're not trying to teach you how to change just to make a sale. We're trying to teach you how to change so that you get the compound effect so that every one of these builds on the other. You know, um, Barry made the comment yesterday. I thought it was very interesting. Yes. Losers focus on rights, on their rights, and winners focus on their responsibility. Well, guys, our responsibility is to learn this so that we get better and we can build on each one. You know, there's a reason we start people on B and C leads. You know, in baseball, you've got the farm league. They've got something similar to that in basketball. How many kids leave high school and play professional baseball on a, a national level the first year out of high school, a few, a very few. And basketball is the same way. Maybe one out of a thousand. I don't know. It could be one out of ten thousand. I don't know, but I do know this: it's the exception. It's not the rule. And guys, our business is the same. See, we want to have you guys have some skill before you buy a leads. Why? Well, we're protecting them from financial ruin. Because if you don't have the skill, an a lead is no easier to sell than a C or D lead. 
The skill is what makes it just like throwing a baseball. You know, if you can throw it down the strike zone, how many of you know this? That the size of a baseball plate in T ball for home base is the same as it is in the National League for professional ball players. Now, they don't make the plate wider for the T ball kids just so that they can throw more strikes. No, they start training them early on, and that's, that's kind of the goal we have here. You know, we want everybody learning, you know, how to do this the right way. You know, if you hire an agent or you are a new agent, the one thing you can do that will increase the probability of success with Equus is Ignite. Why is that? Because what Ignite does is, one, it puts anywhere from 1000 to $1,500 in your checking account earning Ignite, so that's a big deal. Now you can start seeing right away, this does work. This is a new business. I can make some money. And when you talk to people, you talk differently than when you go out and you've been doing this for three months or two months and you haven't, you made one sale or no sales. How in the world can you talk with any confidence? So the goal is, is to get people started early to get that Ignite, excuse me, out of the way to verify that it works. Now, when we get back to conventions again, that's another thing in having meetings because every time you go to a meeting and you see other people doing this, it validates. See, right now, those of you that have heard about David Crocker and Johnny and Marcia and some of the others that have been big on the team here, you're thinking, well, they must be six feet tall, you know, and leap buildings in a single bound. No. They're just like everybody else, but going to the meetings and the association, what that does, it lets you realize, one, this works. They're no better than I am. If they can do it, so can I. So that's a lot of why we have the calls and the meetings and so on. And I hope today will be a change uh, situation that will change how you approach your business, how you look at Equus and really how you just look at the calls in general and come on with the idea and the attitude of what can I learn today to help me get better tomorrow.